I wonder how many game how many game websites are going to ruin their SEO by trying to be the first one out there. I've to be like, no lie, <laughs> been thinking very hard about pitching. Someone, Do it. I don't know who. The problem is, <laughs> I'm clearly just here for a the check and b to troll, <laughs> and both will work. Get but the bag. I have to ask yeah. myself, do I want to potentially be the main character of Twitter for a day? Yo, the answer the thing, is no. Though. Here's the thing. So here, here's what my honest, my honest like feelings about being the main character on Twitter. Honestly, if you're funny enough, you can rock with it. it yeah, I, I feel like I people, can recover. For, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. for sure. People, people just get mad for what? Like literally a day and then they forget. But I have to be realistic. It's, it's going to be a bad time. It's going to be a bad day. I know that. Then Sunday, whoever whoever publishes it, the editor's gonna people. know, the site's gonna know. Like if this ends up on Kotaku, it's a wrap, bro. <laughs> oh lord, I'm on See, Reddit forever. Say, then I will say that how things have been going, especially like the last couple weeks. There's a like yes, every day has a new main character, but like it is moving blisteringly fast recently, and I don't know what it is. Something's in the water, but like. You could get, you could pop it off and only suffer twelve hours rather than the yeah. twenty. <laughs> I can sneak in between. I w- yeah, I <laughs> like a uh, homie sure. who did the uh, what swagger of a swagger of a young black teen. Oh yeah, that became right, a yeah. thing. And yeah. like, like is it like <laughs> what tripped me out about it? It was just like, yo, this is a black writer, and then people had to be like, huh, how do I? How do I still be upset about yeah, this? How, how, can yeah. I, how can I square me being mad, but also me allowing this man's perspective, who has one, and one that's valid, one that's uh, lived yeah. in? Yeah. How can they do in the shit I told them to do, but not the way I told them to do it? Yeah. Twitter's <laughs> wild, man. Twitter's yeah. wild. Like, I mean, like I said, People you, you got to be... You ain't gotta be. You ain't gotta be afraid to be a uh, main character. But that's. I get it. I get it. I feel like when I know I'm just like setting all this shit af- ablaze and I'm not doing it anymore. I'm finna do the blackest black, uh, black history month thing of all time and shut it down. And if someone's like, it'd be like, "Wow, you will never work in games again." It's like, nope, I will never work in games again. <laughs> the confidence of that. Oh, yeah, you got to stay for Kendrick. Hello. Uh, welcome to the thing. Uh, myself, Jarrett, Emmett, uh, we're here. We're three black men talking about random stuff, not about video games. <laughs> I, keep reading, I want to be like, we're going to talk about video games. Like, not really. No. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably not today. <laughs> not today. No. Uh, what do you guys want to hear? My bad. I beat Kirby. That's the... That's the only gaming thing that matters to me right now. Uh, but yeah, I am, of course, uh, joined uh, by one Jarrett Green. Jarrett, say hello. Video games are bad, actually. Yeah, Don't play they video are. games. Don't. Go to school. Uh, 
<laughs> please. <laughs> please, I've learned that the hard way. Go to your class. Go to your new class. Uh, Emmett Watkins, say hello. Hey, what's up, y'all? Um, the only good video game is Bad Boys Miami Takedown. True. That's a lie. Do not. And 50 Cent Blood the Sand. <laughs> only two good games. Actual good game. game. I keep forgetting, and I've reviewed both the games, that 50 Cent Blood in the Sand is a sequel mm-hmm. to oh, yeah, 50 Cent. To, yeah, 50 Cent Bulletproof. And I was just like, every time I was just like, Bulletproof did fucking come out. <laughs> yeah, that, that was <laughs> like, real. Yeah. Yeah. And Eminem voiced the corrupt cop. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, very woke for the time, turned out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it woke or is it just timeless? Uh, <laughs> like, where do yes. you see the white corrupt <laughs> corrupt? Like, so like here, here we go. Um, uh, speaking of corruption and organizations and things that got bigger up, like this episode, we're going to be talking about black, black problems <laughs> in just in America. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just what it is. But uh, yeah, so if you guys haven't been paying attention to the world of professional wrestling, uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi, uh, Trinity Fatu, Mercedes. I'm not even going to try to say Sasha Banks' last name because Renato? I ain't trying to look like an idiot out here. I'll do it. I'll um, look like an asshole. Renato, I think. Renato? Okay. Um, they There's left their team. job. <laughs> they took their titles into the talent relations office, said, here, fuck this, and left. And honestly, I'm, I'm so happy they did that. Like, um, it's really weird. So, uh, both Jared and I are big wrestling fans. What's been really weird has been like as wrestling has done like this really big boom recently. Um, it seems like there has been a like a, a exerted like effort to profit off of black women while also treating black women like shit. And it's not just like a WWE problem. This is just a wrestling problem. All together, like we had the stuff with Big Swole, um, who left AEW last year and was having a very mild, hey, here's things they should fix. And Tony Khan just went fully red flag, like, well, you just sucked as a wrestler. Um, we have like the debacle that was Nia Jax's, not Nia Jax, but I'm sorry, um, Nyla Rose's uh, AEW championship run. Uh, the debacle that was the original Bianca Belair one uh, run where she lost in like three seconds to Becky Lynch and uh, at SummerSlam. So like you would think a company who's literally trying to be like, but we have the black people <laughs> would, you know, not piss off two of their biggest stars, like two of the like most recognizable people in WWE, regardless of gender or race. And I think that's what's the biggest, like wildest thing to me about this. There's a couple of angles though. Like there's the there's how the company's treating it, there's how the fandom has like treated this event specifically, and then how they've always treated not just, you know, minority wrestlers, especially black wrestlers in general, but how they treated these two specific women in general across their right. careers. Um because people getting upset at the Fed and leaving is not new. Savage did it in ninety five famously just walked out did it did his match and just left um the the outsiders did it famously uh kevin nash and scott hall went where the money was are yeah very openly and loudly all the time 
Hart, uh, Bret Hart got screwed very publicly by Vince McMahon, a referee, and Shawn Michaels. He had no idea what the finish was until it happened. Uh, and he thought it was going to be the opposite. And Bret Hart left him. He was leaving anyway, but that's the worst way possible to let someone go. Um, but these were all things that kind of happened and then blew over. And not right. unlike the screw job. Immediately after the the company tried to sort of write a narrative around it, and the and the screw job kind of invented the attitude era after that, could it turn Vince McMahon into an asshole, both as a real person and on camera? And that's what the the next five years would be. Vince McMahon's an asshole, but this is super unique because you know this is before this company was a corporate entity, before it was publicly uh, traded, before it had you know a Fox sponsorship and a bunch of big you know advertisers and marketers, before it had shareholders, before it was it was on two networks, and then a global and like there's there's a whole lot of other corporate pressure happening on this company now so for them to have no issue with engaging so pettily about it with with this event so so strangely in like releasing a, an official press release on their twitter account um coaxing their you know commentary to to sort of create a narrative a meta narrative that is both uh supposed to sort of make it make sense narratively in the live show that's happening and also attempt to, I don't know, be a voice or a, a reactionary sort of uh, opinion of the corporate entity at the same time. But they're just running these women down on on the live program multiple times, Monday and, and Friday, calling them a professional, all that kind of shit. And then creating a timeline as soon as possible that we find out immediately after was a false timeline and that the, the events that the company is is saying that the order of the events the company is saying happened isn't actually what happened. Um, all that mixes in with the fact that they're being silent. The two women involved are kind of not talking about it, and the only people who are creating a counter narrative are the people that are like the worst to be trusted at all, which is like all the rumor mongers and the dirt sheet and the news websites. They don't really have the scoop. Yeah. So yeah. people on the internet on all these fandoms take all that information and use it as a lens to project all the problems they have with this company and these people anyway. So people who already had an opinion that Sasha Banks was like a spoiled brat are just going to use this as, as another reason or or maybe their biggest evidence that, you know, she didn't get her way again. So now she's being unprofessional. Um, And it's, it's very, it's been very strange to watch people who are normally like, for whatever reason, normally agree that, this particular company is very bad at presenting characters, stories, and narratives in a way that is congruent and make any sense. And we hate that they do that and they should do better. It's very funny to see those same people see two people leave because of because of those reasons and then not support them in doing so. Because right. then because those particular two people support a different narrative they have, which is that these particular women are being uppity and selfish and spoiled, even though the reason they left for all intents and purposes in every way that we know, uh, any way that's corroborated in a way that makes sense. That isn't from the actual companies that they left for those reasons. They got a call sheet. They got a, they got an understanding and a, and, and a loose sort of narrative of what they were going to do that night. And it didn't make sense to them. This is one of many points that they've gotten these particular call sheets over the past couple of months where they got orders to go do something that didn't make sense. They kind of just did it until they didn't want to do it anymore. 
and then decided not to do it and then left, which is what if somebody else did, did these things, people they liked, if Sami Zayn did this, if Kevin right. Owens did this, we would not have this reaction. Well, hell, CM Punk did it. CM, CM Punk, Punk literally literally, <laughs> literally went from the Royal Rumble, had, they had everything set up, and he just said, I'm not fucking doing this, and Jet, and everyone wanted to, to be on his side. I think it's very funny. I think, like, the thing of it all, it's going to be Sasha, because, like, people get, like, a weird hard-on for disliking Sasha Banks, uh, and I don't get it, because <laughs> uh, uh, she's, a, she's, like, a, she's a good wrestler. I was gonna say fine wrestler. That's that's discrediting. She's a really good wrestler. But I, if you're if even if you don't want to give like Sasha, like look at it from Trinity Fatu's thing. She literally could not did not wrestle on television for like six months last year. Was in a storyline where the one of the owners was just saying, "Oh, you can't wrestle," and then finally gets the crumb of. Okay, we'll put you on a tag team and we'll give you the tag team title. And then you instantly do the thing where, oh, we're going to break them up because why would women ever be a team? What about women right now? What about black women would tell you they would ever agree with each other? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Or or not even like break them up even worse, like not give them a story at all. Like disregard the fact that they're champions. Disregard the fact that, you know, and and Sasha takes it personally because she spent so much time making this happen in the first place. So right. for it to just kind of be thrown away as nothing seems for her specifically, who is who has made her entire the last you know four or five years of her career making these tag team titles a thing, um, and then when she got them, taking it everywhere she goes, like she's going to elementary schools, hanging out with a kid with the tag team championship, she's going to baseball games, she's going to you know like fashion events, taking the belt, trying to make it relevant to to a, to a mainstream audience. And they and they sort of treat her when she comes back to the show as just any talent to get somebody else over seems really weird. Especially we're not talking about anybody. We're talking about, you know, Sasha Banks who was in Star Wars last year. Right. Sasha Banks who's who is bigger than this business at this point. Which is the reason why someone like Emmett, who doesn't follow this company, can hear this yeah. story because we're not talking <laughs> about anybody. We're talking about a person yeah. who has who has demonstrated that they are bigger than this at this point. Which is why yeah. she can didn't just leave. <laughs> because she can just prove that she's bigger than this. Which is why they have to get in front of it because they're not talking about anybody they can just bury. They're talking about a person that's impossible to bury now. Right. And what, what she was, knows that. She was at a, and is she was at a concert. She yeah. was at a concert right after, like, right after this. She was like, no, I'm going to go kick it at this concert. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> on, online sweating about what's going on. She went to like a Steve Aoki concert and was getting twerked on by a bunch of strippers. So she doesn't care. Yeah. 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 She's chilling. <laughs> she's chilling. Yeah, no, like I said, I, I think it's, I think it's like, it's so weirdo, man, fans are weird, bruh, and I'm just talking about that in general, just because, like, tell me about it, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's just, it always gets weird to me, and, like, when stuff like this happens, I always, like, look at what the fans say, and you're absolutely right, Jared, like, if this was, if this was a dude, if this was, like, Big E or Austin, right, because Austin's really huge, Austin's the other person, like, if Austin decided to walk out, he could walk out and be fucking good, like, he, he already could walk could. out, like, and, I'm surprised yeah. he's still here, honestly, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, he could, like, I mean, not only, even if he wanted to wrestle, like, half his friends are in AEW, yeah, right? and there'd be no, so Austin, they, they would find him, they'd find some time for him, you're right, so Austin walks out, Austin's good, right? Um, 
And if Austin walked out, I don't think people would be as upset if it was Big E or anything like that. I think it's specifically these two black women. And like you said, it's very weird, like, the unprofessional talk. Because, like, those are stigma that usually get attached to black women, which is something like – I feel like if you're a multi-billion dollar industry that has, like, uh, uh, fucking, like, shareholders and everything like that, like, you actually have, like, a diversity coach who's like, hey, maybe don't say that. Or, you know, when one of your top stars is a black woman who probably does not feel great about that, who also is kind of like the third fiddle in her most recent feud. Like, maybe this isn't the time for you to do that. Like, maybe you should do the thing that you did before. It's like, we got to be blackity, blackity, black. Like, we can't just do this and be like, oh, we're going to put through. So I think that's weirdo. But I, like you said, I think it's weird, like, the fans come out and just be like, Oh, you gotta be you. You gotta be professional. It's like, where was this energy when CM Punk literally made them flip the whole fucking pay per view that they were this doing? This crazy caping for like multi billion dollar companies is out of control. Stop it! Stop! <laughs> I it. don't get it. They're not your friends. They're not gonna come to your house and be like, "Yo, let me you bought, I don't care how long you've been watching. These people don't give a shit about you specifically. They give a shit about the fact you bought a T shirt because they're gonna try to sell you another one. That's all they give a fuck about. Mm. And like. Even when they don't, even when they attempt to do something else, because during this pandemic, especially during the um, the early pandemic, when they were in the PC and trying to find ways to do this show live in this in some sort of semblance of, of making sense without a crowd, black people were all over the show because those are the ones who were yeah. a showing up and still around. And it turned out the stuff they were doing was actually pretty. It was getting over in the only reaction they could get, which is from Twitter. So when MVP came back and turned Bobby Lashley into like a fucking gigantic sort of like mob boss almost and put a bunch of black dudes in suits. And that was like the try that that was like the group running shit for a year. Like people were all over that. It's how this works. Like you can't just, I don't know. You can't appropriate and, and say and realize and recognize financially that like these are exactly the characters that are working these and and it's and it's presenting this sort of opinion of our progressivity that we like and they're actually doing work that we appreciate and then decide that they are still just as expendable as everyone else like no one gets no one feels like they're that kind of character that untouchable sort of I don't know, a person that can go back there and figure it out. There is no black character that feels like that or no black, even like talent that feels like that in the same way. Many of the other talents do. There's no Roman Reigns at black back there who can, who right. can probably just make it happen. It's so though to Roman's credit. He also does what he can to make, make it happen for whoever he can. Like he yeah. tries to put as many of those people in, in, in the spotlight with him as he can, but like, it doesn't seem like anyone has any interest in like being, are giving like these these real talents, these people who have been around forever and been carrying their product, especially recently, to have that kind of I don't know political and I mean political, but like Which actual like power, actual yeah. actual presence. Like it just it's very strange. I mean, like again, looking at Austin, like look what it took Kofi. It Kofi had been there for what ten years before he was mm-hmm. with the new like you know six seven years before he's with New Day. And when they originally put that group together where they had Austin and they had Kofi and they had Big E and like originally they, they were, I mean, I don't know if he does, like they were preachers. Like it was like the preachers and they were happy. They were the happy black guys. They don't get mad. They clap. Like that's where the clap came from. <laughs> it was like, they don't get mad. Oh, they clap. Gosh. And like, it just wasn't working. 
And then I think uh, Austin said like they had did a loop and they were wrestling Cesaro and um, or Claudio and um, and Kid, <clears throat> and the crowd is completely behind Claudio and Kid, and they just decided to flip it in the match, like flip who's good guy, who's a bad guy, and then it went over, and then. I, Somebody was like, "Okay, we'll let these guys do whatever yeah, they want to do." An important piece of it, context is they were getting booed out of the arena every yeah, time they, they showed were, up for months. People hated them. They were trying like, to do would, new day shit, and people were trying to yeah. get happy. But this is like you know, twenty thirteen, maybe nobody's happy. Yeah, <laughs> it is like they were doing like the new day sucks stuff yeah. and everything like that. So they just flipped it, and then they just got to be they got to be black characters on television. And guess what? It got over. <laughs> Bianca Belair wins because she's. Bianca Belair and same thing with like Street Profits and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It's it's wrestling such a weird thing. It's a fandom that I really because like again, this is not a WWE problem. Like Jared said, like I wouldn't. I'm definitely not one who capes for AEW. I enjoy watching AEW, especially now. But they had this problem too. Um, AEW very famously had, like I said, very famously like they don't do anything with their women wrestlers unless they're Britt Baker, which Surprise, surprise, she is she was the first Caucasian uh AEW women's champion. Right? <clears throat> like I can't like I can't say like it's something, but like that's the only one that they've actually positioned to be in a top spot. Well, like Thunder I, Rosa I, is I will push back a little bit on that because the only mm-hmm. other woman they give a shit about in that company is Jade Cargo, who is a black woman. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I mean um, that that's that's, that's another that's, person that's, I know. Yes. <laughs> right. That's, because, well, that's I, because but she's Jade also Cargo. like another in, undeniable person. Like yeah, she was a very bad wrestler at the very beginning of her career because she literally hadn't done it before. Like the first match on TV was her first match, but anyone who's seen her knows why she's so important because there's never there's been it's, it's she's a generational just generational look and charisma yes. that you really don't want to just let yeah. go. You and need that person with you. If you see her and she's available, you need to make sure she works for you. And that's if, for to Tony <laughs> Khan's credit. There, he understands right. that. Um. And he but, is, and, and it has eventually kind of let her sort of absorb other things. Make let this let parts of that show be about her, which is yeah, which is something that was not true, you know, even a year ago. But yeah, the, I, I that's the only that. good. Yeah, it, it just in yeah. contrast to that, the rest of yeah. this shit is just terrible. It's 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 bad. Um, how do you have? Like, I mean, I just look at people like you have Keith Lee, who I'm sorry, I wouldn't have brought him in as an AEW champion, like Keith Lee. Rules, and you're just like, like we're gonna put him, you know, with tag team with Swerve. I love Swerve. This is like me shitting on Swerve. Swerve could be your champion. Like, there's just so many great Ricky Starks, and I think Jared, you wrote about it. It's like Ricky Starks is like, this is like this dude who's just here, who is like been there since he started, and has done really nothing since till recently. It's like it's I don't understand. Like again, I don't have money. I don't have a TV show. I don't write shows. I don't have the stats. I don't have this. I'm looking at the stats behind it. I don't got algorithms. But I've watched the show enough and seen that man enough. I've seen him in the indies. Like I've been following. Like there's no reason that man should be doing nothing. But and, hey, that man's in catering. You're fucking up. Yeah, but hey, and I I love Punk. Uh, and I love I love Adam Page. I don't need Adam Page and Punk, man. Punk, 45 years old, man. Sometimes like go home and be a family man, or you don't have to be in these big matches. Like that's the <laughs> thing. Like family man for for <laughs> Like, yeah, that's the true. thing, it's like, um, because Cody got, like, a lot of shit, like, during his AEW run, but I really thought, the thing to me that showed me he actually cared about what he was doing with this thing was, he literally said, 
he did that match where if I lose, I don't fight for the title. And he never reneged on that. And I think, I think the company is better off for that. And I wish that a lot of older performers would realize, like, it's cool to be in the front, but you're not, like, CM Punk is not giving Adam Page a rub. Adam Page had a rub because they built a whole year of a story around him. Allow Adam Page now to start building these either newer talents coming in or younger people who haven't gotten that shot. Uh, Scorpio Scorpio Sky shouldn't be burdened with the TNT title, a title you guys have made irrelevant because you gave him a Sonic ring a year ago and forgot about that shit. And it was like, oh, shit, we're doing the show again. Uh, What if we did something with that Sonic ring? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and also to so. Cody's credit, like everybody who's ever worked with him, you know, sort of says backstage that he that, that there had never been like a he has been the their biggest advocate, especially black talent, especially black yeah. women. He has been there. He's been the biggest advocate for them backstage. Um, no one has worked harder for them than him, which is why, you know, a lot of these characters have even gotten on screen in the time they did get on screens because Cody figured out a way to make it happen. But the problem is he's getting pushed back from someone who is, has total control of the shit. So, like, you only do so much. Um, you know, part of that is, like, his wife's black, so he has, like, that I it's happened to me now, so I have perspective now situation. Yeah. But honestly, that's still an ally. <laughs> so long as you're doing the work, yeah. you're still an ally. There. <laughs> I will say, Bobani Jones has a great joke. He's been saying this joke for years, and it's the funniest thing ever, and it's the truest thing. Uh, he's, he said, like, the most famous black wrestler of all time was Dusty Rhodes. True. And, like, <laughs> you think about that shit, like, that's, like, Dusty Rhodes, nah, that was a, like, like he was white, but that was a black character. Like, so I, it makes sense Cody would be that guy. But we'll get out of wrestling, because me and Jared will talk about wrestling all day. We'll get out of wrestling. Leave uh, Sasha Naomi alone. God damn yeah, it. Yeah, leave them alone. Like, for real, don't. Be an adult. Don't pop off on people. Don't Stop caping for corporations. Everything these two are saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a it's a job. You know, I don't come to your job and harass you or want you to if your job treats you like shit, I'll tell you to quit. Don't yeah, as don't a person who has definitely seen the fucking climate in a job and clocked out and left early. <laughs> they I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh let's talk about Kendrick, y'all. Uh so the album came out. All right, I'm gonna. Here's my confession. I'm gonna let you guys because you guys this will be your guys' segment because oh boy, I am not in the mental space to listen to this album. I think All I listened right. to like two tracks and I was like, I'm gonna savor this. I'm not blowing through this, but I'm also not emotionally <laughs> in a good state for this. So I do want to know like what your guys' thoughts on on this album. Uh, um. I'll just say that because people know I'm Kendrick fan number one in the tri-state area, probably. Um, and I was really anticipating this album. This album hit way different than I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, can we put this unfair savory complex on Kendrick, just us as a collective hip hop consumer base. All of us hip hop fans really look to him to, you know, lead the culture in a certain way. And I really didn't expect him to not only reject that, but also, like, at the end of the day, like, he's still a big enough voice to where we're going to listen to what he has to say. But he isn't saying anything to change the world anymore. He's literally just saying, here's my perspective. Here's what I've been going through. And if it connects with y'all and it helps with y'all, cool. But it really does feel like this is more just him 
expressing himself and seeing if that helps with other people. And there's other, you know, choices and such that he made that I feel like, oh, he's really trying to get these issues talked about in black communities. But it I you say you weren't in the right headspace for it. I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't either, but I didn't know it until I had been listening to the album like five times. <laughs> So like it wasn't until like the second or third day where it's been no it was the second day I had it on repeat the whole day at work just in one earbud the whole day and then I got home and I was like I've been binging trauma too much <laughs> so <laughs> let me let me relax but um but yeah it's um I mean it's good I like it but God damn it's it's difficult and it's a lot more messy than I expected and it's just it's it's going deeper than I expected into directions that just caught me by surprise like things that i've thought about before but just i did not expect the biggest rap artists in the world pretty much um or at least the biggest rap artists whose words we care about um i didn't expect him to go in this direction especially now when it feels like like yes generational trauma if you're black in america generational trauma something you think about all the time but we live in a world where there's so much stuff to think about all the time not just like day-to-day life but like there's tragedies all day (laughs) like we're going through horrible stuff all the time like literally two hours ago i'm not even gonna discuss but right like there's always something what's Mm -hmm. fucked up is like you y'all could be listening to this like two like two weeks from now and that will apply to whatever two hours ago evergreen statement it's kind of fucked up about it exactly so like to to see all these things that have been going on in the last five years that kendrick could have spoke on to have him more or less not really speak about any of that and just go back to something that was mm-hmm. like he could have made this album in 20 back in 2017 when damn came out this could have been in the slot of damn and would have been just as relevant just as good of a talking point to bring up uh, I think it would have been relevant there, even more relevant in some ways. I feel like a song like Auntie Diaries probably hits harder now because that's a big topic right now, where in 2017 it might be kind of a blindsider for a lot of people. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I like it. It's just I wasn't expecting to get this album right now from him. I guess that's my main thing. Uh, but I like it. I just I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I'm planning on writing a review tomorrow since I'm off of work, so yeah i'm only now starting to like know what i feel about it because i was in shock for a good while after after the first listen i don't know that i was in shock it definitely wasn't what i expected um Mm. because i I feel like even in his past work his personal stuff still feels like a performance like he's still doing it for someone like to Mm. try to entertain someone where a lot of this album is is really kind of just for him. Like, he is clearly working through some shit for him, and we're just kind of here watching it, which kind of feels awkward. Right. Uh, because he's not really talking to or about us. Um, but I think, in a way, you know, a lot has been said about this not being, you know, the 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 sort of cultural sort of commentary that some of the old ones were. But in a way... Uh, reflecting on your personal sort of trauma is kind of cultural commentary because mm-hmm. you don't really hear black anyone's really talk about, you know, infidelity when they're young, uh, sexual assault when they're young. Um, a lot of the, the, the various sort of waves of queerdom that kind of intersect with their life when they're young. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a sort of perception of black masculinity that isn't just something that was given or forced on us by a culture or a government, but something that we kind of force on ourselves as well. Mm. There's like a self fetishization that happens when you become, especially when you want to become a rapper, especially when you become like tiptoe into gangster rap from the West coast. Oh, for sure. Um, right. You start, you start pretending that a lot of the things you are, you aren't um, in order to at least make a dent or to, to, purport of a vision or an image that makes you either commercially viable or at least, you know, good at this, good with the streets. But in reality, not only are you probably, you know, filling some gaps you shouldn't fill or filling in the wrong way, but a lot of the people, you know, they're doing the same things are probably also, you know, ignoring willfully or, or, or not a lot of these other things that intersect with them too and make them the person they are. So <clears throat> someone like Kendrick who's in, you know, in his thirties now can sit and think about, yeah, this is this is exactly what ha- this is why I am the way I am, and maybe not. I think what makes it uncomfortable for me is like it was, it was always been uncomfortable for me is when someone gets like too personal, and like now I can't relate because you're talking about something that really only applies to you. <laughs> and I think even I would even say that some of that stuff doesn't just only apply to him. Some of that definitely applies to me. But like again, it's not like presented in a way that's entertainment. It present it's presented in a way that feels like self therapy, and I feel like I shouldn't be here. Like, yeah, there's yeah. definitely oh, some songs that on that like on that, that album lot. where I'm like, I don't think I should. You should call me when you're done. Like, right. Like the first <laughs> yeah. time I heard uh, we cry together, I feel like I don't think I should That's be here. One. I feel like you two should work this out and then like call me later. Like, <laughs> for sure. And there's no you know, it, it's also weird. Like, there's no he's always been the king of being like, I'm going to put conscious rap on the radio as a single. And like that's there's none of that here. There's like there's none of these songs yeah. have like hooks. Like they're all just kind of stuff. Like like N95 feels like the one I, I've heard N95 on the radio like multiple times already. So like that's maybe the first one. Um, and it makes sense. It also like falls in line with like the BB Keem stuff he did last year. Like it kind of feels the same vibe. Um, mm-hmm. But like yeah, it's it's a very and it's not one I wanted and it's not one. But I think I like I like I definitely like some of it. I don't, and I think in a way, in a way that be is going to be unique to me is like that's been true for old albums that I then eventually like the rest. And I'm not sure it's going to happen here. I think there's some of these songs that are just not for me, and I think that's the point. Right. Which is you know a statement, which is a brave thing to do, um, to make a song that it's like not going to be a TikTok thing for anybody. You're not going to make TikTok dances or some of the shit. Um, I'm sorry. There's like two or three TikTok trends for this album already. already. Yeah, already. <laughs> I'm sorry to, for all the wrong reasons. Yes, <laughs> but that's the problem. It's not like a, an A and R is not going to be like, hmm. Maybe we should get uh, Kendrick out here to, to figure out a dance for I don't know, United in Grief or something. <laughs> We're not going to release your album unless you make TikTok <laughs> <song> viral. <laughs> and you know, yeah, I, I, I am very curious, like how this album tours. Because mm. this feels like a one man play, and I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't just that. Like, if this man isn't mm. like having sets, like that he just sits in a room. Like, if this if this doesn't go for like full Kanye, it wouldn't be. I would be very surprised. Um, well, and I guess that's my question. Way. Yeah, that's. I guess that's my question for you guys. Like, because uh, like I, I've heard a lot of this talk about at the the introspection of this album that it does feel like a therapy session. I've heard a lot of talk. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of that talk, but what I. I guess my question to you guys is, is this kind of like one of the things like as a creator that kind of always like stresses me out when I make something is I 
I want to talk from my own perspective. At the end of the day, especially because like we're black, like how many times can we tell these stories of tragedy, right? And I understand wanting to be able to tell this art, but how much does it feel like we are wallowing in the self tragedy of Kendrick? you know, of the shit he's trying to figure out. Like, is it, and, and could it be like even structured as like a commentary of like how we view people on social media, right? Like I, I think of like Kanye West, I am not ever defending Kanye West, but Kanye West shit goes differently if there's not a Twitter, if we're not yeah laser focused on Kanye West all the time, right? And I wonder if, and again, like I, I'm literally just speculating because I haven't listened to it, if this is what's kind of like it is a it is also it's being very realistic, but also because, yo, this is what life is now. You guys see so much. So I have to be weird with you so you can understand where I'm coming from. Hmm. Uh, I'll say I don't it doesn't feel like he's wallowing in the pain right. of being black in America. And it only doesn't feel like that to me because Yes, I, we've already said it feels like he made this album for himself, and I still do agree with that. But it also feels like he made this album just for Black people, specifically just for Black men. Like, it feels like they are the target demographic solely for this album in a way where I said it on Twitter not too long ago. For all the people who saw me losing my mind over this album over the last, like, week or month, I've, I'm sorry that y'all listened to this, and this is the first Kendrick album you ever listened to, because, like... This is not for you. This is not for any of it, all the white fans he got with Black Panther and Damn. This is not for, you know, this is not for anybody but Black men, I feel like. And it's talking about these things where it's not reacquainting you with the, the trauma of growing up in the hood or the trauma of growing up Black in America. Those things are the starting point. He's digging in deeper as to what that really does. Like, uh, I forget what it was. I want to say uh, FD Signifier, YouTuber I watch a lot. He was talking about it. Um, and he was talking about how, like, when he talks about the culture in the heart part five, Kendrick's kind of critiquing the culture, not saying that, like, you know, the culture in itself is bad, but more saying, like, when we talk about the culture, we, we have all these positive sides of the culture, like, you know, black unity, black strength, and just everything that all the positive parts of being black, but then also these things that we perpetuate and these things that we continue to hold upon each other that tear us down like you like the homophobia that we hold up and how we need to break that down the 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 false kayfabe that we hold up to block our insecurities and to block our pain like he's talking about breaking all that stuff down and it feels like he's not really going over the basics because if you're if you're the target audience for this album you know the basics he's going deeper and saying here's what that shit's doing to us and it does feel like it like I love to pimp a butterfly. It feels like that album was his, I'm going to try and maybe not save the world. I'm going to try and change the world album. And now we get to the point where he's like, well, I didn't change the world. Things are still fucked. And now I'm not necessarily going to preach to y'all, but I'm going to work on myself. And here's what I got to say coming back to that. And because he's been working on himself and digging deeper into himself he doesn't just have surface observations. He's going deeper mm. into things. Now, I still don't think if you're not in the right headspace for it, maybe mm. still not a good idea to get into this album. But it is definitely, I don't feel like it's just, you know, 
a trauma dump and you're just wallowing in it. I think, you know, there's highs and lows and I think it actually ends pretty optimistically, I would say. Um, I was a little bit depressed because as someone who's such a big Kendrick fan, the fact that he was like, I choose me, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> I got to figure shit myself. I got to figure out shit myself. Uh, that was low-key a tinge there. But, you know, I, I think it has a, a more uplifting message through all the pain and hurt that the album does go into. Yeah, and like you said, I don't know that the album's really about the hurt. I think it's about, I mean, it is because there's a lot of it in there, but it's kind of like, it's not the perspective of someone who's hurting or someone who is hurting so much that they can't figure it out. Like this is someone who's, mm-hmm. who's going to hurt for the rest of their life in some way, right? Like that's just right. how they're, that's who they are, but it's not someone who is held down by these things anymore. This almost feels like a confession to let them go so that you can finally walk, yes. walk away from it, uh, Okay, which I think is part of the reason why some of the feels almost like so intimate in a way that's like off-putting because like i didn't need to know these things but thank you for telling (laughs) me i guess and then some of them are like okay well he's going through it someone like him can go through it um you know someone like me went through it too so like maybe we maybe we relate in more ways than one but i think i think we we kind of letting we let him kind of make an album that is not that is art in a way that feels un a little less refined, a little less sort of storyboarded and narrated in the way some of his old stuff is. But I, I, mm. I am afraid we're going to let him get away with the stuff that doesn't make any sense. That shouldn't be. Uh, we're going like, to why, get. To why the is Kodak Vino. black? <laughs> we're going to get to the Camp Vino era. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't understand. <laughs> you know what? I, I agree with the Kodak Black thing, which we can talk about in a second. But also, there's at least one song on here that straight up sounds like Childish Gambino from that. Like, Man, yeah, don't tell me no. <laughs> Yeah. But like, here's the thing. I didn't hate that song, but because it, it's it just not Gambino, weird coming but, from yeah. a Kendrick album. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. I, in context I just, with the rest of the album, it hits, but I just need it's to be, I would be like, sit down with Kendrick, like, hey, Kendrick, I get this. You're going through it. Don't go full Gambino, man. You gotta stop. You just gotta stop. Just it. Stop it real quick. Yeah. He didn't make a bonfire if that's what you're worried about. Like, true. He's not in his camp era. No. He's not in his camp era at all. But he's definitely in that like post "This Is America" type uh-huh. of vibe. Not for the whole album, but like pockets. Pockets yeah. of it, yeah. And you know, I think uh, he he kind of flirts with that with um, Worldwide Steppers, which hmm. is actually probably my favorite song on the album. Um. If only because I like knew the samples immediately when I heard them and like, well, Mm. I kind of, and then the samples kind of played to the narrative and I kind of understand what he was going for there. And like, I think he, I think every once in a while, a rapper who can rap, you rap kind of just needs to do that every once in a while. And maybe that's why he was like, like stepping into the the Gambino dimension. Um, Because sometimes you just want to rap, you rap. Uh, It just feels like this maybe wasn't the place for some of that. But like mm-hmm. maybe it was actually like I don't know maybe that's part of yeah, the confessional I mean, like yeah I mean, like I said I I give Donald Glover shit but like there's space for that and I would I mean I would rather hear Kendrick's version of that than Donald Glover but you know that's just that's me um, but yeah I'm excited to give it a spin I like I said I just wasn't here and then uh, I know like there was some controversy. Uh, with the anti-diaries uh with some verbiage that he uses in the song and you know i'm always gonna be like (laughs) yeah i'm always gonna be like hey i get it but also if like a white person did a song talk about y'all shouldn't say nigga anymore i'm gonna be like i'm gonna be like i understand what you're trying to say but 
You don't get to up, say that, you know? I, one of the funniest <laughs> memes I've seen about this album was someone was like, oh, man, this new Jack Harlow is heat, and they just changed the Auntie Diaries lyrics <laughs> to the end for three times, and I'm like, wow. All right. Good God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people have already talked about Auntie Diaries and, like, the right. value that it has. And that, honestly, that just adds to the point I made earlier where it feels like he's not talking to He's not necessarily talking to the LGBT community with that song. He's talking right. to the folks who are ignorant to it, the folks who are somewhat actively actively hostile to it also. He's talking to those people who've been living in ignorance and are trying to get them to see it from a different perspective and open their heart a little bit. Right. But because you're talking to them in such a direct way, that's going to alienate so many people with the language you're using, with the lack of, you know, he's misgendering, he's dead naming, all that stuff. That's not going to fly. But it's like what I keep thinking about this album is is empathy. I feel like this entire album just shows that even if it's messy, I feel like every act that he has on here, I can see through empathy, which is why we talked about Kanye West earlier and how his music would hit so much different if he didn't have a Twitter. And yeah, I feel like with Kendrick here, he is kind of not maybe not equally but similarly in a messy way where a, a kanye will do stuff like kanye bringing the baby and Marilyn Manson on there why would you put them in donda like that makes no sense and i understand your point but i don't think it's valid right. <laughs> so uh but when when kendrick brings someone like kodak black on here i also don't like that you would get if you're gonna make that point because once again, you, you get a spectrum because if the whole album, in my opinion, I feel like the whole album is about empathy and we got to like really get down if we want people to heal. Mm. I think he's trying to make a parallel of not only, hey, me and Kodak were on a similar path in life and he's easily who I could have been with different choices. I think mm. he's trying to make that parallel, but I think it's not even that direct. I think it's more so that like, hey, if we're trying to if we're trying to save these black men where does the line of cutoff start and stop for people? Yeah, who is unsavable? Like how far gone? Yeah, yeah, who's who's no longer savable? How far gone does someone have to be to where we're not even trying to make them better? We're not even trying to work on them anymore. And I think to really hammer that point home, because there's plenty of people who could have got on there to hop in that hop in that spot. There's plenty of little fuckboy rappers right now that are really popular. You gotta right. got a uh, I don't know. I don't know that much about and and not Emily Chopper. Who's the other guy? Who's the young boy? NBA young boy. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah you could have got someone like that on here, but to put Kodak Black on here, someone who not only has been like, because for for those of you who do not know Kodak Black, he he I think he was arrested and charged with uh, a straight up rape of a girl, um, and talked about it on Twitter like a year or two later, like flagrantly being like, oh, I got away with it and all that stuff. So, like, not only did he do some shit, unrepentant. And continues and like, to keep doing, like, and some of the legal yes, shit. he's doing fuck Many shit, of the legal man. shit is just, like, you know, call it guns or whatever. But some of, like, but, again, those are all, they all, they all piggyback on the attitude that he can just continue to do whatever he wants because who is going to stop him? Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. and if if putting him in this, in, in your album, in, in several different, you know, uh, interludes, where he's presenting a narrative and then he's actually featured on the song. If this is like part of a narrative that this, that this album is presenting, then I don't understand what the narrative is. Like it, I, I, if I'm trying to assume that the, this is a person who, this is an alternate version, him or something like that, then right. maybe, but, I, but again, I'm not clear. I'm not clear what the message is. 
and so long until I am clear, I'm going to be uncomfortable yeah. by this. Yeah. It's like I, I just saw, I just watched an episode of Atlanta yeah. last weekend where Chet Hanks is in it, and he is a oh, he yeah. is a white dude who was raised in in the show. He was a white dude who was basically raised by a woman from Tobago, who who was so close to him that she sort of imparted a lot of TNT sort of like vibe onto this boy. So he's a white guy with like, who, who sounds like he's from TNT and he, he likes, you know, Trinidadian things. And he's singing, they're singing like a, a famous Trinidadian song uh, at part of the funeral. And he's like singing and dancing to it too. But the problem is we all know who Chet Hanks is. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's not how he feels about any of this. So like, but the story is trying to contextualize that a person like that happens because when you when there is no parents around when when culture has to raise you this is what you get and there's an uncomfortable relationship between absentee parentism or parenting when when you're a a, a child of privilege and your parents aren't around to like impart their own sort of culture on you that if you're if you're raised by mtv and and you're raised by minorities who are you know Im, who are immigrants and they are the people that spend 12 13 14 hours a day with you 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 have more in common with them than you do with your parents. You get more in common right. with MTV or with Spotify or whatever than you do with your parents. So you yeah, might end up a white kid, a, a white adult who, you know, loves island culture and is down at the, you know, TNT cookouts or whatever and has no relation, has no idea what your parents are talking about. Like, that's how that happens. I can understand <laughs> the controversy in using someone like Chet Hanks to present that message because that is probably what happened to him. Turns out, yeah, 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 um, or at least some version of that. I don't. I have. I you know, a couple weeks out. I don't understand the the inclusion of Kodak Black. Will yeah. Cole Kushner make this make sense on Dissect three years from now? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> but until that happens, I'm just, I'm gonna continue to be confused by the decision. Yeah, uh, I wonder. That, it, it, yeah, that whole situation reminds me. Of, there's a great Boondocks episode, uh, which kind of really. Um, like ironic now, which is like how time's gone. The R. Kelly trial. Um, oh my god! And when Aaron, McGregor, well, and I when Aaron, McGregor, yeah, he does that episode, and it's literally like Huey has that conversation of like, what do you do when it's a situation where it's your own people that make you know make you feel bad? And he's like, you have to still lift them up, right? Because you have the scene where. Like, it's literally the first time where Grandpa and Uncle Ruckus are actually having a conversation. And you see Grandpa, like, you can't really believe this shit. And, like, he does. But, like, at the end of the day, you still have to support your people. And, but, like, I'm with Jared. Like, I get it. But Kodak Black sucks shit. And, like, I will not throw another black man under the bus. But I will say... That black man needs to fucking get therapy and help, and it's not my chance to uplift him. If he's someone who, who, who has made dollars. some move, made some moves to be better. If this was Gucci Mane, that'd be a different situation, yeah. I think, because Gucci Mane came out of prison a different guy. Um, yes, is he a yeah. better guy? Yes, is he like perfect? No, but yeah. if you're like this man's on the path, and like anyone who has had a, sh- a shared trauma as a young black person. Um, not just like a, like the culture did this to him, but like black culture did this to him and turned him into something that he, he a, a, a person he couldn't handle and control. So he had he had to, you know, suffer some consequences of his actions, came back out of it, is reflecting on it and has turned to a better, more whole person. Gucci Mane's a good example of someone on that path. Maybe not there yet, but on the path. Kodak Black is a bad example of that person. Yeah. I, yeah. The, 
I don't know. That Co- the Kodak Black, because here's the thing. I never want to be in a situation where I'm defending Kodak Black because I have no <laughs> desire to defend anyone like Kodak Black. Uh, I, I will say on for Kendrick, I feel like his point in there is just to say, where, where does the empathy stop? And it's more of a test to us because I feel like Kendrick is saying, hey, as someone from you know, as someone from the gutter, I'm going to lift people out of the gutter no matter how dirty they are. I think that's the statement he's making. Mm-hmm. And he's putting Kendrick on here to kind of put that in people's face and say, hey, this is where the line of empathy ends for me. Mm. And I don't necessarily think he's trying to shame other people for putting the line differently. Because, um, like, God forbid, I am not going to tell anybody. Like, because I've seen a lot of people go online and be like, oh, man, I'm tired of this. I, I don't like this Kodak feature. And then they get in the comments and are, like, replying and being like, oh, you don't get what he's doing. It, what he's doing doesn't matter if you're someone who's also been a victim and just can't see that man for a person mm. ever. Yeah. Like, that's it's over. It's done with. That's where you draw the line. <laughs> I am not going to sit here and tell people they should move that line, yeah. but I think I all. think that's a good yeah. a, a good point. The 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 simple inclusion of him is the point. Like there is no yeah. like, yes, he's not. I think that's what it is. He's not yeah. there to tell a story. That he's there is the story. Yeah, um, and that he's willing to forgive or at least start the process of of understanding and and empathy with a person who is hard to to do that with. And I think yeah. that the you know if it's about seeing yourself in other problematic black people and trying to find empathy based on that solely that makes sense like he, i don't know that he would do that for you know six nine or someone yeah, <laughs> oh, no. no. a better inclusion on here if they were still alive i think triple x or xxx tentacion i think he would have been a better inclusion because he was yeah. i think even then like, that, yes. that depends on what happens yeah. like i think you know yeah. the story well, is that he was turning yeah. it around and never got a chance to but like Right. I, if I he think, continued turning it around, yeah. I think I think honestly what you guys were saying, like with this album, I think like it's cliche to do, but I think Kanye. I think Kanye's like the perfect like Kanye's a person that we have been literally studying for years. <laughs> and I think that juxtaposition of like this guy could have been me if I tripped out. This guy could have been me or or and this guy could have been worse. Like for all the for all the dumb shit Kanye does, literally the most part of most important point about it is just dumb shit. Like he doesn't do anything that you could be like, oh, this is just like, like super horrible. He's just he just does really stupid shit. And mm. like using that as a juxtaposition of like, hey, here's who I could have been if I allowed the media to focus me. But then what if he got worse? And have Kanye talk about like doing worse shit. Like, what if this person was worse? Because that could have been either of us. Using like this scale, probably what I would have done, it would have been a lot less. Like, there are people who wouldn't have liked it because they were like, "Oh, I don't like Kanye." But you would have understood what he's doing more than like, "Hey, if you're someone who's dealing with abuse, here's an abuser." And like Emma said, like if you're seeing that in the comments, even if you agree with what happened, you cannot dictate how people feel about shit because that is not how you feel about it. You have to be cognizant and and listen to when they say yo this sucks shit and be like you're absolutely right like i can't fight you on that i can't tell you how to feel about that yeah but i can tell you guys how to feel about that's how you segue mm. uh got it that's a bar uh <laughs> uh walmart get ready to celebrate the holidays getting ready to celebrate the holidays uh walmart is decided to Warlout Juneteenth with 
the fashion and swagger of a uh, of a uh, teenage of a teenage uh, black a teenage black kid. Um, <laughs> did you have you guys seen the full little party CD setup that Walmart did? With their Juneteenth uh, paper plates, yeah. and, I don't only seen the ice cream. I only saw the ice cream, not the setup. Oh, it's uh, hold on. I'm gonna send. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna send you the setup. It's bad, and like the ice cream itself already, like that's a lot. And uh, I mean, you said like before we recorded, if they would have just did like you know red velvet ice cream and not tied it to Juneteenth, I think it would have been fine. Uh, but the fact that they made it Juneteenth and like. Doing this whole thing, like, they, they literally said, oh, hey, y'all got something. Let's make a commodified effort to get your money out for this. In <laughs> for, record time, for it this feels day. like. It, it became a national holiday last year, and they're like, well, we got a year to make this us. Yeah. <laughs> Roll the presses. Let's get it going. It's yeah, just, I, I don't know. know. I, I don't know why. And I don't know why. Obviously, I, I should say I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I don't know no, why. I don't feels, know why. I don't know why this feels surprising, <laughs> but like, I don't know oh, why because the paper plates. <laughs> I told you they are coming yeah. for the. They're coming for the whole office party. <laughs> they're gonna have the whole yeah. office party going. I tell you why it does feel worse. So Khalif Adams made a really good point, right? Because uh, he talked about he's like, hey, if people are gonna make money off it, it should be you know black people, and I think like. Some bot. I'm only going to assume you're a bot at this point. If you're like literally tagging into stuff and it makes no sense, I'm just going to assume you're a bot. Like some bot just came out and was like, um, oh, well, oh, only black people should make money off Juneteenth. Yes. Yeah, literally the day where the day where <laughs> slaves in Texas were told that, hey, you've been free for two years. Yes. Only black. If someone's going to make money off of it, only black people should make money off of it. In statement, like, I don't and if you don't want to do that, which you should do that, by the way, just on the for the record, yes, this isn't this 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 is not Valentine's Day. This is not for everyone. Um, but there should be some demonstration that at least some black people are making money on it. Like Walmart yeah. producing Juneteenth shit tells me that no black people were involved in that decision at all. Uh. Oh, I can tell looking at the napkin. It's the freedom for me. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> like that Pinterest <laughs> like informs someone. And maybe, like, honestly, maybe there's some consulting firm that like helped design these bullshits. And maybe some black people were there. But like this doesn't feel very good at all. It feels like at the end of the day, none of the profits going completely to Walmart, which is a company that is not exactly a company I would consider black friendly. It is no. like, yeah. like <laughs> is any apportion is going to black business any portion is going to any fundraiser if you told me it was going to the blm like organization which would be a mistake i would still yeah, feel a little because, better about it because at least you like there was at least some black people were involved in making money here it's not just complete exploitation of this thing which it, it feels so nakedly as it as that it is and i really will be sad if i go into work on june 19th or the 20th oh, yeah. whenever that happens and there's just like Juneteenth plates somewhere. It's not. It's gonna be a bad look. <laughs> I I remember when Juneteenth, like, because it becomes a thing after 2020, after the tragic just tragedy, uh, and it becomes a thing because all of a sudden white people were like, "Wait, this thing I never heard about," which is like, 
again, again. been a thing forever. <laughs> um, and I remember it to me at work, it felt like Black History Month too, because like I just got like it was like a it was like we celebrate Juneteenth by looking at all these great things Black people have done. It's like. Oh no! Oh, this is cool. We're 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 making another MLK. That's um, always the, the that's how they celebrate <laughs> black people in 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 like corporate settings or are like predominantly non-black settings. It's like let's think about the the good ones. What do the good ones do? Yeah, yeah. And like I get it. There's, you know, black history is something that has been suppressed so long that it feels like every time you can dust it off, you should. But I think when you celebrate every black thing the same way. It starts to feel bad. Yeah. Like George Washington I mean, just, Carver does not have to be part of this conversation. Like I was just about to say, how many peanut butter <laughs> facts can I remember as right. a child? Come on now. <laughs> well, they got a new one. I, oh, so I went to the National uh the National African American History Museum in DC, right? The Smithsonian did. And like it's really great. If you get a chance, go check it out. However, Dog, it's really wild to see a full bust for Ben Carson. And I'm like, oh, my dude. but like, it makes sense, though. <laughs> like, what's like? Yeah, before he no. was a creepy show, he was like the greatest living heart surgeon or brain surgeon. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but like, I'm just like, I got to see this sleeping <laughs> on stage. Like, what? He's, what's going he's on black here? black history, too. <laughs> he is. But like, where's his energy? Like, again, this... Kwanzaa is not like I celebrate Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa is not a materialistic holiday. However, shit, y'all made Christmas into a materialistic holiday. Where's my Kwanzaa shit? Like, why can't I go to Walmart and get my stuff for Kwanzaa? But I can go there for a June. T- like, is this where they think the cookout is? That's yes. my question. Do they think this is what the cookout is? The cookout I is literally t- you need to make plates <laughs> and napkins for the cookout. It's like I've heard about this cookout all the time, so <laughs> I, I want to be interested. I want to be invited. It's interesting to see um, how different states have like kind of take this in because Texas has always been yeah. a complicated place for for Juneteenth because a lot of I them mean, have celebrated it there for you know decades before the rest right. of the country figured it out because that's where it happened. Um, and a lot of the places that do celebrate it because Texas is so big that like the metropolitan areas kind of feel, you know, they feel cosmopolitan and diverse in a way that like many cities do but then the, you got to remember there's a whole lot of other shit in between those places uh, a lot yeah. of nothing and then a lot of small towns and a lot of back a lot of backwater things you'd assume only exist in georgia also exist in texas so yeah. there's always been this weird sort of relationship with like race centric stuff uh especially when that stuff isn't you know celebrating necessarily just the oppression of black people in texas but like maybe the uplifting of it who gets invited to these who literally gets invited to these cookouts and these and these celebrations has always been complicated there so it's interesting to watch the rest of the country like be you know four decades late to that conversation and now we have to relitigate all that again that feels really cool Really happy to be think, a part of that conversation. I think the thing that tripped me out is I saw a flyer uh, for a Juneteenth um, like celebration. All the guests, white people, not just white people, or like old white people. And I'm like, damn, they came and co-opted this shit. Well, they so found, they found they all the community like... college African-American <laughs> studies teachers. And they're like, yeah, yeah we're on Juneteenth. <laughs> Yeah, all the poetry teachers that let you perform Kendrick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like back in my know. day, my my poet laureate was Tupac. Like those people. Yeah. Do, uh, that was literally my poetry teacher. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're doing this, bring back Freak Nick. I will Straight sing up. it up. I will say it every time. Bring back Freak Nick. Hey, y'all so don't, y'all don't so do okay Freak with Nick on Juneteenth though. Like that seems. <laughs> no. Like oh! Yeah. I mean, we need like a good month or two yeah. separation because we can't <laughs> oh, have those headlines at the no. same time. <laughs> Atlanta might explode. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta might literally detonate. Honestly, uh, look. If you want to get all the black people in one area, do a freak me Juneteenth celebration, and there you go. And then yeah, if you want butt naked Wakanda, have fruit have freak <laughs> at the same time as bro. We're making a new etching in the stone mountain. That's where the guy. We're putting outcasts up there finally. Damn, finally. I, I feel I feel so bad. I feel so bad, and I also feel relieved. I was too young. To actually have gone to Freak Nick, but I was definitely of the age of being that young person where you see videos of Freak Nick. Freak Nick, so I'm just like, I want to go there. And by the time I was 18, like, oh, it doesn't happen anymore. It's like, God damn it, I hate it. Yeah, Freak Nick was like a myth <laughs> and a legend by the time I was old enough to ever do it. I just need bring it back one year so I can go once and get it out of my system. I, I'm yeah. just curious, and I want to know what it's like, and then I never want to go again. Honestly, now's Actually, the time. E3 is dead. Yeah, it's time for E3. Freak Nick. Exactly. Make Freak what Nick if we a game a game show? And exactly. Maybe it happened we... like summer of 2019, right before that could be a death sentence. Mm-hmm. But like, even now, give it a couple of years. And right. I'm once just saying the air is lifted. Yeah, maybe we make Freak Nick a game, uh, games, a games, uh, thing. Uh, we get. Uh, Reggie, I don't know if you want that. who we get, we'll get, we'll get Khalif to be our, get Khalif to be our Jeff, uh, our Jeff Keeley. Oh, Jeff Keeley. Oh my god! <laughs> I've been trying uh, to get Pax. I've, I've tried to ask someone to move Pax South to Georgia, to Atlanta, so I can finally go to. Oh Atlanta my god! Please. And also have go to Magic City during a Pax night. This is my plan. <laughs> All right, pause. I don't know if Magic City's still open because I tried to go like almost a year ago and it was closed like we drove past and it was closed <laughs> so i don't know if they just shut the shit down or if just covid made them they're on they're while. they're on sabbatical but honestly <laughs> look ga- games games industry people who i know there are people who listen i know people who listen to this show who listen to live in the pool house i know there are people who are in the games industry who listen to this y'all you want to you want to do right by black gamers yeah you want to have the livest game convention you will ever see put pack south in atlanta where the players during play. this during the summer <laughs> and just fucking watch the money y'all think packs like sells out right away put it in atlanta during oh. the summer Game. Get Jermaine Dupree Game out there over. for no reason. He'll show up. And you're <laughs> oh my God, Jermaine Dupree. He's like I'm the like opening commence, the commencement like speaker is Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> like, oh my God, it, that'd be incredible. It'd be so great. It, I'm just saying, like this is. Just I will a say idea. one thing. This is either a, a bonus or a negative, depending on who you are. I am, as someone who has gone to MomoCon several times down here, and has at least heard stories of DragonCon. People be horny out here. Like it is, and honestly, for the freak Nick vibes we're talking about, that just might I mean, we might look. start a new baby boom in one weekend. I've been <laughs> to, I've been to um, I forget what the anime con in um, Maryland is. 
Oh, that's well, oh Maryland. Oh, uh, or is it? I think it was been in Virginia, and sometimes it's in National Harbor. But I've also mm. been to Magfest, which is just like the music and games oh, yeah. fest. But the same people who go to the con down the street come there two months later, and yeah, it's basically just Freak Nick with furries. Like, yeah, that could happen. Look, we can just do that. Look, it seems like they just they have all the sexy cons going on when it's not black focus. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like it's time, just. Just yeah. do it. Just do it. All you got to do is put it, you know, put it out there, throw a party. Like, yo, there. The thing is, all the people who are old now, who are like in their thirties and like late twenties, have been hearing about Atlanta. So you'll get white people to come. Oh too. hell yeah, that's the thing like, oh, about I love it. that show and it all comes down. <laughs> oh, you man, look, it's a million dollar idea. And Bring listen, back the game developers of color conference up in Harlem. I you guys can be the respectable show. Here's yes. where the academics yes. come to that show to talk about making games and diversity, and we're gonna go through historical places and like really feel the history up there and feel like real Harlem Renaissance shit. That's not what that's not what this vibe. Is. We're not doing that. <laughs> I I want the NBA All Star Weekend. Yes, but for video yes. games. That's oh that's God. the vibe I want. I want it to be. I want it to be. Jeff Keely, call me. Wild. We can figure this out. <laughs> Bro, uh, I, I I want to see that, but I'm also like, man, that would be oh, is it a mistake? Probably weekend, but like, no, it's it's a million percent of a mistake. And there's gonna be conversations that we would need <laughs> to have before this even drops. Like a lot of you dudes, one, this is an Atlanta <laughs> Atlanta convention. I'm gonna need y'all to shower once. Yeah. Like, I, what you're not gonna do, what y'all not gonna do is have the South convention be. Oh, this is where the stinky people go. Ain't happening. Shower once. Two, if a lady says yo, or if a dude says no, I'm gonna need y'all to be like, all right, cool, and then keep it moving. Like, that's if I'm a it. promoter Bro, of the boundaries. show. I already got my notes apology ready. Like, <laughs> oh no, oh boy, I'm I'm ready. And you got, I, this is what I was and you got to be vaxxed up. And you got to be vaxxed up. I'm sorry, a playing that. If we bring it back, freak Nick, I need to make sure people are Here's vaccinated. Is we do we give we give enough time for COVID to not be such an immediate threat. We give enough time for all these cultural changes. We give enough time for the gaming industry to stabilize because shit's cracking off right now, just in general. Mm. But like I say, we wait until like two GTAs from now when they announce the <laughs> next one. Stick with me here. When they announce the next one that's going to be in the San Andreas again, mm-hmm. then put that E3 in Atlanta. Then literally all of us will be down here. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They reveal that shit. People be like, "Oh, word! CJ's back!" <laughs> like it's over for all of us in the best way possible. I, this is just a million dollar idea. That honestly, game companies, uh, e- like y'all put E three in Atlanta. It did it. This made it the squarest shit ever, and that was in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, do it again. We got do a it better, again. Uh, we got a better <laughs> location now. They just did a bunch of renovations. That's why Momocon's popping off this year. I'm not going, but it's popping off this year. <laughs> We can try un- to we get can unfuck this. We could we could we could do something. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one more thing before we go because I did ask for questions and I had somebody ask a very uh, interesting question. So uh, this was uh, from uh, Edward Varnell from the Bosch Rush Network. Asked what pop artists, uh, sorry, uh, pop artists working with hip hop producers, who has the best album, and should these collaborations happen again? Um, I, I still do. 
Yeah, I think they still do. Like, so I was gonna bring up like I I recently figured out found out who Halsey was, which out <laughs> without knowing who they were, and uh, was summarily yelled at by not knowing who Halsey was. But like in my defense. I'm 35 years old, um, so I don't need I'm to know who Halsey is. is. Just to put it out there. I'm also not cool. What do you <laughs> want me to say? Strong if it makes you feel any better, but I damn sure know who she is. <laughs> um, but um, but then I listen to some of her stuff. Some of her stuff slaps. Nightmares is nightmares is a bop. But like, yeah, I'm like Jared. Like this always happens. It's always great. And to me, like. The main pinnacle is like any pop artist who works with Magoo, or not Magoo, but I'm sorry, but Timberland. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, um, like I know they try to paint Justin Timberlake like he's R&B, but nah, he's he's pop artist. But uh, that fucking um, that album that had the fucking future sex um, love sounds. No, the one after the one with the um uh uh twenty twenty uh, experience. Yeah, twenty twenty experience. Boom. That album fucking that album fucking knocks, man. <laughs> that album knocks. Uh and Justin Timberlake, like problematic, yes. Fucking has a great album. But like you can do this with a lot of people, like Nelly Furtado's album, uh, with Timberland. Um I mean there I mean, what would you consider Lincoln Park? pop because well, like that dead that, mouse that's t- that was course. part of my take here it's like what is pop <laughs> yeah. because especially in the past decade you see a lot more rap in the top 100 and top 40s than you see anything else um, right like is migos pop like is the baby pop because they had number one migos, songs some migos songs i would consider pop because as soon as i saw them performing fucking stir fry in the kids choice awards i was like all right <laughs> yeah pop. there's no way <laughs> that, right? like yeah at that point could but it be like, other honestly, things as well maybe but like yes yeah i i really just feel like pop is just pop is popular music that is racially ambiguous i feel like well i think (laughs) at at the very least that's what it's been sort of hammered down to feel like right i feel like yeah if if it's not straight up hip-hop it's someone using something that sounds a whole lot like hip-hop like trap beats have kind of like killed pop music for a long time because everything has them yeah. Um, you know, if, country if, music too. <laughs> if the if Imagine Dragons could have a song that sounds even remotely like like a drill uh, rapper from the South, then you somebody <laughs> fucked up somewhere, or maybe they didn't fuck up. Maybe that was a plan, but it's a feature. Right? <laughs> it wasn't like, a bug. It's a feature. You know, Bad Bunny was yeah. is you know a, a constant staple in like top twenty Billboard. Is he pop? Yeah, like I would consider Bad Bunny like okay. Here's the he question. doesn't even rap in English. Like, yeah. <laughs> like is that? still pop i mean probably despacito was pop right like yeah yeah would you consider macklemore like not pop because like but wasn't that I the whole controversy Mac- that like yeah he wasn't too like, hip he wasn't hip-hop <laughs> enough to win the the, the hip-hop <laughs> award but it, is that true he, his whole album is rapping so like yeah in fact that was probably his most rap album it yeah. was Man, I listened to a lot of that album. <laughs> I think I was listening, like, when hey, I was thinking about that stuff, I was just like... As Kendrick fan number that. one, I will say, I like that album and the one after it, but that's it. Uh, I Mac did like those I've, two albums. I only heard the first one, the one that had uh, Thrift Shop and uh, the... the uh the oh assassin, same love the assassin no, well same love yes but the assassin's creed song i will never forget like that uh that one song because they used it in the, like the music video was a music video based off assassin creed 4 and i was just like i was like no fucking we're way. really I'm, I'm typing this. this up it's uh 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 the fuck i can't i can't name the name of that song 
it's like the other track on that song. It's those three tracks were it. It is just like Wait, can't hold us? Can't hold us, yes. What the fuck? You're right. <laughs> it is. Hell? It's no, I remember like again, I remember covering this. Like, yeah, no, that was a song that he used, like the music video was an ad for Assassin's Creed 4. Uh or three. No, it was Assassin's Creed 3. Uh because three S when three. Oh, it's four, it's four. Is it four? Okay. Yeah. Those years kind of what the hell? This is yeah. okay. Side note, this is the second time I've had a very strange rap association with a video game, because earlier this week I found out there's a Final Fantasy 15 trailer with Eminem and Royce Five-Nine's Fast Lane on it. Mm. <laughs> and I did not know that. Mm. This is... What the hell is the world? Yeah, that was, um, a, that was a weird time. <laughs> yeah, very weird. 2016 was a fucking strange time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I will say to answer the question, uh, really the first one that came to mind to me was uh what's what's the album oh sweetener from ariana grande i feel like ariana grande that's solidly pop um yeah i don't think there's much of a conversation about that mm-hmm. but yeah that that whole album is produced by pharrell and yeah. i feel like pharrell is just as much of a pop producer as he is a hip-hop producer at this point but when i think pharrell i still think clips so i kind of feel like that goes together right which is hilarious because yeah. clips hasn't been a thing since like 2004 or whatever <laughs> true no. but like the impact bro fair <laughs> i mean look you, you hear those you hear those fucking you just hear that pop 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 you're just like Yep, yeah, man. let's go. I mean, and it pushes the lunch tables everywhere, <laughs> right? Like, because it's just like, like you just do it. It's just like you need a pencil in your hand, and you're good to go. Like, but I was actually thinking about Pharrell about that because, uh, like, I I was listening to Pharrell um, the other day, and I was just wondering. I was like, has someone literally just did this thing? Like, because like I don't think anyone fucking remembers Nerd like. At I do. All. That was like foundational. Well, I, mean, I got like a <laughs> right. song I, or a song or two. I really is like it that. lap dance? Is the song lap dance? No, I like uh, everybody knows, and mm. uh, I like the Rihanna track on their last album and the Kendrick track on their last album. <laughs> okay, but I mean, I just like he made his whole career just like doing like because I think I was like listening to like his um, like essentials on Apple, and I was just like. A lot of these features, like he's not the worst rapper on these features. Like even the uh, that Snoop uh, uh, pop, uh, "Pocket Like It's Hot" song. Yeah, uh, like he went off. He's on that. the he's the better feature on that. Like he, I don't he was know, just like, on a um, on a Pusha T record like two months ago. Yeah, like rapping. I don't think he like stole. Yeah, I don't think he like stole the huh. stole the the song, but like. One one Pusha song he was on that he kind of stole the show on. It wasn't a Pusha T song, but Move That Dope by Future. And Casino was mm, on it, too. Mm. Um, <laughs> Casino was definitely on that. Yeah, he stood out on that song. I was really impressed. That was like, what, 2016, 15? Yeah. Yeah, not too I long mean, ago. I mean, look, that dude, that dude made happy. So, like, he is in the pop culture lexicon forever. Like, Oh, for sure. That, that song is a pop song, but, like. No, for real. Like, there's a there's a conversation to be had at some point that we're gonna have to talk about, like, who is the best producer performer, like in like in hip hop, because it's either Pharrell or Kanye. Um, so that's a conversation that we definitely need to have at some point. But like, Pharrell has like Pharrell has some heat. Pharrell has some like really good heat for his own projects and for you know all the other stuff he's done. Like, yeah, he yeah. he's worked with. He he's he is like solely responsible for Gwen Stefani's like weird R and B turn 
Like, oh man, he, huh. that album. He he almost brought Gloria Stefan back to life in like 2011. Like, he also kind of made Robin Thicke's career. Like, he yeah. Oh man, Blurred Lines. Yeah. If if Azela Banks was ever mainstream relevant, it's because of ATM Jam, like that he produced. Uh, it's 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 funny to see and to think about like the uh the reach this dude has like yeah for sure i don't know i think yeah oh shout out to neptunes star trek always uh i i think at some point i am going to sit down and do a bracket i think we got to do this i think also didn't he do super thug like or wasn't he like involved or like in some way of super thug it sounds familiar i think so let me let me verify that. Which is like Noriega's so. only song. Like, yeah. I, like... <laughs> uh, I think so. Like I said, to me, it. I mean, the conversation. I think if you look at it more, you'll like. I think there probably is more people, but I. I think like the conversation is definitely like him and Kanye when you look at like as far as producers that also are like perform absolutely or like our performers. Yeah, it it was. Yeah, he did do. Uh, he did do Super Thug. Um, I wonder if that was his first. If that was the first like big hit. Maybe the first big one, did. but I don't think it was his first one. So I know he was. Uh, he's been he's had at it since like the MC Light days. Like, yeah. So yeah, I think the the two ones that put them on the stage was uh, Super Thug and Looking at Me. Which Looking at Me, man, I can't explain to people how good Mace was because like he yeah, seems like a like joke, a flash but in Mace pan was... and like no one understands how big that flash was. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back i was listening to welcome back the other day i was like this song that still one still hits heat, for man. me shit that song still <laughs> a fucking heat like it has like that welcome back carter opening and then you know you like that I'm like yo mm. man this just it just hits res- it's so good respect murder mace yeah sure, uh sure. jacksonville's own shout out mm. duval um but yeah uh that's the show uh do you guys like to would like to promote anything that you're working on uh emmett uh, Jared, anything you guys like to promote? Uh, well, I'll just promote same thing I did last time. Uh, you want to follow me on Twitter? EJSpun61 is a place for that. Want to see what I'm working on? Uh, VGU.TV is a place for that, where I host Players Club podcasts over there. Uh, planning on getting you gentlemen on somewhat soon, so look out for that. So, um, but yeah, uh, I do podcasts over there. I do video stuff over there. I do video stuff on my personal channel. I am working on this uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers review. I'm probably just going to sit down and finish that hopefully tomorrow or the next day uh because i want to get it out by the end of the week because god damn it i have a lot of thoughts i just got to put them on a paper so yeah it's gonna be fun <laughs> oh yeah um follow me on twitter uh at jared john i have things happening um if by the time you listen to this i've previewed a early access game that you should not play that is on my twitter <laughs> somewhere um damn. though if you're listening to this next week the week of the first then maybe some new things will have happened that i would be involved in that that you'll know about by then so twitter's the best place to know all those little fun secrets rub hands like bird man yeah <laughs> uh yeah if you want to follow me on twitter i am at turbo bison um i am working on projects uh that i don't want to hype up because like if they don't happen I'd rather you guys not be like well, what happened with this uh but i'm working on some stuff too uh soon uh i've started going back into working on fiction stuff 
So there's that. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this feed, you also listen to Live from the Pool House, a show I do with Sonia Ballantyne. That is coming back up. Uh, Sonia has been working on The Walking Dead, on a Walking Dead game. Uh, so she's been doing that. So shout out to Sonia, always. Um, and yeah, we're going to bring it back and we'll have more stuff to do. Uh, obviously, I love doing this show with these guys. So uh, we will definitely do more. I do want to bring in some more people so we can talk to more people and have different conversations. So uh, for Jarrett, for Emmett, I'm TL. This is the thing. That was the thing. Goodbye. Hell yeah.